What's up, everybody? We are back. The two of us reunited, and it feels so good here on the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of Metal Nexus. I am John, and with me again is Dan. How are you doing? I'm still alive. I know after the last couple of episodes, people are like, is he alive? Is he is he actually there? Um, I, I am here. I'm alive. I, I work. I, I get sick. I have lots of children, lots of podcasts, um, lots of time in the bathroom, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, yeah, so I'm happy to be spending some of that time with you tonight, John. It has been quite a while. Uh, we've dropped uh, an episode with AJ from Fire from the Gods, which you were a part of. So yes. it didn't really feel like you were gone as long as you and I actually haven't talked, which has been about two, two and a half weeks as of when we're recording this. It's been a minute. Um, I did the trip to New Orleans, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I just finished my praline white Russian, uh, as you saw my wife come in and bring it to me and heard that whole discourse. And, uh, you know, did the Arizona trip, which, you know, I think, I think we've done one since that even, maybe not, but I feel like I've been, uh, you know, globe trotting and, and experiencing all things around the world, uh, you know, death, life, celebrations of things being way too inebriated in, in different areas and uh we're back uh the guest this episode is adam D'Amico of lauren ashore this is part one of the two-parter we're doing um man this lauren ashore record holy shit is it a motherfucker this this record is straight fire dude like and i'm not really even into that style too much like kind of that death core you know but I mean, there's so much more to it than that, and I think that's really what caught me is uh, a lot of like orchestral arrangement and just epic moments, and um, it's really kind of a kind of a landscape of sound, and you don't really get that in that style too often. And uh, yeah, no, it definitely blew me away. And this was a band, you know, to to just get the elephant in the room out, you know, right away. Um, a band that has is subject to some controversy as of late, and that's actually, you know, when I heard like that, that's that's whenever I found out that they even had a new album coming out, <laughs> you know, and that they had all this uh, all this unfortunate stuff go down, and um, so yeah, I, I went into it not really knowing what to expect, and uh, was pretty pleasantly surprised by uh, uh, by how good the record is. Yeah, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast, a uh, former guest of the show, Josh Roeder, who lives here in Michigan, uh, owner of Random Awesome Studios, recorded such bands as the new Lorna Shore record, uh, one of Joe's favorite records, even if he doesn't listen to this podcast, uh, Plea for Pershing's last record, Color Morale's uh, No Hope, you know, just to, all the King 810 stuff, Battle Cross, like, you know, he, he does a lot of the interesting records that bands put out, and just as a phenomenal producer, just has an ear for... for getting with bands and making the best album that those bands sometimes will make out of their career. And, you know, I think this is their third record for Lorna Shore. And I mean, this stands head and shoulders above anything else they've really done in my eyes. And like you said, like, you know, I was telling someone today actually, uh, in discussing, you know, Lorna Shore, cause I was listening to the record and someone's like, that's just, what is that? It just sounds like just noise coming through a headphone, which I, I, I can kind of understand, but I was like, dude, this is this band, Lorna Shore. And I like this record because unlike a lot of bands in this genre or albums of this genre, you can actually hear everything. 
Like, even when it's really chaotic and, like, you know, I can't remember the song off the top of my head exactly by name, but there's a song where it's, like, it's a blast beat. All the guitars are doing shit. The orchestral shit's coming. The vocalist dude's just doing everything from, like, pig squeals to gutturals to everything. And it's, like, for 45 seconds, just the most chaotic shit you've ever heard. But you can understand and pick out every single thing that's happening. And in this genre, that's not always the case. And I think that's an attestment to Josh and what he's able to do because, and Dan's laughing. You can't see it. Maybe you can hear it. But like Dan's laughing because he knows I'm fucking right. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need to grab my composure uh, here. John's just dropping them. But no, you're not wrong, dude. And uh, I'm uh, completely derailed. Sorry. (laughs) Do we need to do the whole bit again? Do I need to react to it? No. All right. Sorry. You know, it is it is interesting, though. You know, Dan commented on the fact that there's a lot of controversy surrounding this release. And uh, full transparency, um, when this interview was presented to us, uh, it was expressed like, yo, you you can't talk about certain things. Um, but there are certain aspects of those things that we're not supposed to talk about that I find interesting because I think it correlates to the bigger picture of, dude, like this whole thing you've been working at for 10 years can go away and it not be any fault of your own. And it's yeah. it's so recent that you're dealing with this. What were you going through when that happened? And I think it's a way to discuss part of the issue of what's going on with Lorna Shore and why everyone probably knows of the band in name, at least, without having to get into anything specific that legally they can't discuss currently. Yeah, yeah, and that's... That's the unfortunate thing is, like, I'm such a curious person that I just, like, want to dig. I want to rip that scab open and, you know, really dig deep into it. But um, I think the way they've handled it thus far has been pretty good, considering the circumstances. Um, I know there's been a lot of people calling for, like, re-record the whole record. But, you know, it's like, great, you want to go ahead and send us the money to do that or... You know, like, well, we touched on some of that in the second chat, which you will hear a couple of days after this one drops. Um, actually, that's as good of a spot as any to really kind of get into this conversation with Adam D'Amico of Lorna Shore. So let's get into that chat and we will talk to you afterwards and prep you for part two. So I had the pleasure of t- uh, ending my work day with Adam D'Amico, guitarist of the band Lorna Shore, whose latest album, Immortal, is out now via Century Media Records. Um, just want to say, uh, what a motherfucker of an album, man. This thing rips. Thank you so much. Um, that means a lot to hear that. Um, you know, it's awesome to receive this feedback this entire like past week. So it's awesome to hear this. <laughs> 
So, interestingly enough, I, I, there's no way I could not bring this up. You uh, recorded it here in Michigan, where I live, um, with Josh Roeder, friend of the podcast. Um, what did, how did you find working with Josh, and what led you to Josh, given the pedigree of, you know, the diversity of what he's done? Um, well, that's one reason why to him was uh, just the fact that he's very diverse. Um, we've always known him for a while. Um, I think the star has never aligned with, like, us wanting to work on stuff with him, whether it be a record or a single, I think, like, we weren't available and he wasn't avail- available. So like it, it never worked out. So we've been trying, I think internally the band has been trying for a few years now. Um, it was sent by our recommendation. I forget who even sent it to us cause it was such a long time ago. Um, maybe like an old manager or something like that mentioned Josh. And I think some of their band worked with them. I forget who really, where it came from. It's just been such a long time coming where we wanted to work with Josh. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think the stars finally aligned where we did two singles with him, and we loved the experience we had working with him. It was it's to date our I think our best like producer environment that we've ever been in. Um, I think he had all of the pro qualities about all the other producers we work with, as well as like none of the cons of the experience with uh, other producers. So for us, it was just a no beer to work with him, and I think. A huge, massive success of why the record is the way it is is because working into the comfort with such an awesome human being allows you to do the best version of yourself. So we're super grateful to work with us. And, uh, you know, I think something that the band has been looking for for a while is finding that like producer that makes it was kind of funny. He had when in texting him, you know, trying to get some fun stories out of the recording process to, to kind of bring up. He had mentioned that you somehow had known about the band he was in Besieged, which I don't really recall them ever touring much out east. So I think it was kind of interesting that, you know, you were a fan of his as far as, you know, what he brought to the table as a musician, in addition to what he does as a producer. Yeah, it was, it was weird because I think this was back in like the MySpace era. And I remember like this was, I mean, I, um, it was just seeing it on other bands from that area, like top eight. And like their like picture was like little gifts. If you will, when I saw it and then I listened to, they had like a Terminator cover and I was like, oh my God, this is like super sick. And um, yeah, then I kind of like was interested in the band. I couldn't tell you like off the top of my head, but I just remember like being like in the era of like, finding music on MySpace and being really into like all the like underground artists, you know, especially like, smaller underground artists. It was, like, so, it was like so easy to find as opposed to like before that, like you couldn't find these like, really underground bands are like in its infancy you know? that's why i found out about it it's crazy when we were staying at uh his father-in-law john's house they were going up the siege and i was like wait what is it did they record with josh and he was like don was like no he actually was in band and i was like holy shit i had no idea so pretty, it was kind of surreal because like i haven't heard of that band in, like forever and uh completely forgot about it until that point in time it's just kind of always interesting, you know, being able to, to – I feel like that's kind of something that separates Josh from a lot of other people is that, you know, he has been in the vans. He's done the long weekend tours and so forth and made no money and, you know, carved out his, his niche by putting in the time and the work. And I feel like that's something that maybe band people – like an intangible that bands that go record with him are able to kind of see. And so when he has ideas to work with you to kind of make a song be better – that maybe it lends you to be more susceptible to the what he's offering you because you know he's been in it. Yeah, I mean, I think every producer we've ever worked with came from the band world, which is very comfortable. 
because they understand what it's like to be in your shoes. Um, so that's always been the thing. Um, I think I think most producers nowadays come from the band world. To like not be in a band and like all and want to record music, I feel that lack of perspective doesn't really serve you. I think at least I feel comfortable as an artist to know that you know what it's like to be sitting in my shoes and you know be like creating. So I definitely think I think Josh's big pro to him is not the fact that like he wasn't a band. I think that he's just very open to how things can be like I'm so used to like sometimes getting myself like boxed into a corner and I think that he's just very open to like trying things out and like putting a different spin on or, or being open to anything and is I think his huge pro because of the fact that he works with so many different artists that he has so many different angles and perspectives to try out whereas a lot of producers stick to their niche so they're kind of recording similar type bands and I, I feel personally a lot of bands start to sound the same but kind of in the same realm to begin with, working with the same producer. So I feel like a lot of your sound is kind of molding together the same way. Whereas since Josh does different bands, I mean, I think he did the band Varials before, then he did us, then he did a completely different band after us. So, you know, it, that's just in a span of three months, work with three different types of bands. And I know he's constantly always doing different types of artists that like he has different perspectives to try out. And sometimes when we're caught in like our own shit and like doing the same thing, he might suggest something like hey when we try something like this that maybe he gathered that perspective from like a different or whatnot so that was for me one of his biggest like pros was being like open to trying different things out and like not being like attached to how things are supposed to look absolutely you know something that was interesting in in talking to josh because i remember texting him probably on my third or fourth listen and i was really trying to figure out where the orchestral stuff was coming from did you guys bring that to the table you know because when i get these records it's just a link i don't really get you know the liner notes and tells me who all did what and i was pleasantly surprised to find out that you know josh did a majority of the you know the orchestral arrangements and so forth with a little bit of uh, help i think on the two singles from jd from ice nine kills so uh kind of wanted to know a little bit more about how that was you know working with with them to kind of bring this very cinematic quality to the uh the record cool uh yeah actually that's a a very interesting story i think uh for me because i've got to know jd because we did a tour with him and he was like hey like you know i would be really like interested in like doing some like orchestral orchestral stuff for you know your band you know and i was like cool like we've always wanted to like have that in our music but we never had the time or like a person dedicated towards that and we're like okay well we're doing these two singles at this point in time like are you down to do that and uh so we already you know paid him for it and we moved studio time around then we got in the studio with josh and i told josh like listen we have someone willing to do this and he's like okay cool um, and then while we were re- recording the songs, he was, uh, JD was putting together stuff for like the song, this is hell. And then, uh, because of the fact that it was someone just like spending their time dedicated towards that was really like awesome because they can just go over the top. It's not like we have to like take time in the studio for it and we can like put like minuscule touches on it. Like he had all the time dedicated for just that aspect. And, uh, what I basically did is I gave him like, cause I wrote like basic, like MIDI stuff for it, like pretty like basic chord progressions or pretty basic, like melody ideas to like outline all the stuff. So he had a lot of like stuff to start with. And then he kind of put his spin on it because I don't know how to arrange an orchestra. And a lot of it is like how like different instruments come in and come out and like different velocities. Like I can just kind of come up with the melody and the idea, but like how to make it sound like an orchestra is something that I'm not too familiar with. And like, um, how I really realized that is that when we did the single for Darkest Spawn, I actually went 
up to JD's place and spent the weekend with him because he was like, it might be easier instead of us like sending emails back and forth. And I sat with him that whole weekend. We worked on Darkest Spawn and I saw that how he like arranged things. I was sitting over his shoulder being like, hey, let's try this out. Let's try focusing on this melody or let's add something here. So that was like really awesome. I think having those two songs have that big orchestral like impact got, re- got us really excited. So when we went to the studio um, with Josh, we were still considering on working on a couple songs with JD, but like he was also really busy because he was working on stuff at the same time. And like, we also didn't really have the budget because the budget just went into the whole album. Um, so we were like, Oh shit, like how can we do this? And then Josh was like, well, I would like to give it a try. If you're just willing to just give me MIDI, then like I'm willing to like take a shot at this. And I was like, okay, cool. So I basically did the same thing with Josh, which is like come up with like MIDI ideas and like chord progressions or like, Hey, let's outline this melody or whatnot. And then he like went balls to the wall with it where he was just like, whenever we were stuck as a band, like not sure what to do. Like, and we were just kind of like at a loss, he would just really like go head first into like diving into orchestral stuff. So we were able to work on that stuff in the process of the recording, as opposed to like, whereas every other album was, this was an afterthought. So this time it like the orchestral stuff was like implanted during the process. So we can really focus on it. We can make decisions about it. We can really think about it. Um, it was just useful because the fact that like it would be always at points when we were like stuck, we're like, I don't know what to do with this song. What can we do? And then he would focus on like orchestral stuff on other songs or, you know, how we started the song Immortal is that like I wrote a chord progression that we really liked. And then he just, when we were stuck, just started kind of adding all these different elements and like making this giant intro, which became the song Immortal is just like me giving him simple like melody ideas and a hymn. And I was sitting in a room just like being like, hey, let's try this, let's add this, let's duck this out. And then like, that's how that stuff came about. So he had a, a big hand in it and it was really awesome to be able to have a full orchestral and like symphony like elements added to it. And uh, it was pretty easy and it was awesome to just have our hands also involved in it and like being able to make decisions with that person. So one of the reasons I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the recording process and, and a little bit more behind the scenes of, of the actual music that's on the record, um, I'm not going to get into what's been happening with you you've you've made a post it's pretty obvious in public of of what's been going on but something i did want to talk about because so i did an interview with uh nick from night versus a long time ago and you know was talking about when doug left the band uh how the band approached writing the record uh you know now that they didn't have to think about a vocalist in mind and something he said was that basically we've never written with a vocalist in mind doug basically had to find his own places on those records where he could find you know space for himself to go we never thought of him which good bad or indifferent and i've never really heard a musician say that that has you know a singer where it's like we (laughs) that's up to them man like we write the music we write and you got to find your spot to put your lyrics over and so in light of all of that that was kind of going on with you guys recently it did make me wonder with as cinematic as this music feels all on its own obviously the i'm sure that there was you know vinyl already being pressed and all these things being done ahead of time which would maybe prevent this but was there ever a thought of just putting this out as a standalone instrumental record um yeah i think it's still a thought we're still toying with the idea of putting it out instrumentally um i mean to be honest like i can agree with that per- with the the guy from night versus because we do the same thing like we write music with like music in 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 mind um you know, like we know that there's going to be vocals on top of it, but like that's never like our thought process. We're never like, oh man, we're writing this riff for vocals. It's more like, okay, we're writing this lip riff because this is what me and Austin want to do. And that's how we've written every record. It was, you know, myself coming up with ideas and me and Austin would solidify these songs and then we just hand them off to vocalists. And whether that's like the right way or the wrong way, 
it's just the way that it's, it's always been for the band is like just centering the music around the music and the vocals to do what vocals do, you know? And um, it's not like it's an afterthought. It's just like, I'm not a vocalist. I'm a guitar player. I think about guitar. Austin's a drummer. <laughs> he thinks about drums. So because the fact that me and him are working on this music and are collaborating on these like ideas, it's just, we only think about ourselves because it's just, that's the only perspective I understand. I don't know what it's like to be in a drummer's shoes, which is why I don't focus on drums because there's, that's a waste of my energy. Cause I don't know what it's like to be a drummer. I don't play drums. I couldn't tell you how to play drums. So I'm not going to try to like think of ideas. I mean, I have a general understanding of drums, but like, you know, to, to convey an idea of what I'm thinking, but like, nonetheless, it's the drummer's responsibility to come up with drums. I think, um, and as far as vocals are concerned, I don't know what it's like to be a vocalist. I don't know what it's like to think of patterns. I don't know what it's like to write lyrics. I don't know what it's like to do any of that stuff. Like that's never been my responsibility. My responsibility is to be the guitar player and to write music. Like I lend opinions and I lend ideas to it, but like, nonetheless, I never think about vocals. Like, and especially in our world, like vocals to me are just, I think another layer, like vocals to me have never been like a forefront, especially when you get into vocals that are um, really hard and undistinguishable. It's just another layer. It's not really like, this thing that you latch onto, um, you know, it sounds cool and you can be like, you can acknowledge it. It sounds cool. But like, it's not like in the pop world where like, it's very centered around vocals. Like maybe the instruments, you know, for a pop song are very like, you know, useful and, and have a good melody, but like realistically we know it's centered around the vocalist and it's centered around like their voice and, and, and the vocal melody, which is why pop artists are just solo members. It's just the person, you know, whereas a band is a collective group of people. And I think especially in the metal genre, it's to me, it feels like vocals are just kind of there. Um, they accent the music. And, you know, I know people get attached to um, vocals and lyrics and whatnot. But like me as a guitar player, I always focus on music and I always think about music. Um, so definitely I'm, I'm a lot more biased, but that's just how, uh, how I always am. So and uh, the main thing that, you know, why we thought about putting out instrumentally is because like I can listen to this record instrumentally and I wanted to be able to write a record that you can listen to it instrumentally and we have the instrumentals and I, I've listened to them and I'm like oh wow this is awesome like this is really cool to like hear the songs instrumentally and uh you know that's something that I'm very proud of because like I never wanted to write music that was simply just carried by one other element I wanted to also be responsible for myself how awesome has it been in light of the things going on that your label because too often now and, and I don't mean to say this I'm trying to be as broad as possible um so in in the very much cancel culture we live in, where you're you're damned by association, whether you did do something, didn't do something, whatever, everyone has to kind of pay the repercussions and so forth. I think it's been very admirable that your label didn't shut this this down, um, didn't try to, you know, like I said, it could have been one hundred percent in their their right to just go, nope, not putting this out, but they didn't, and I think that speaks volumes to how they feel about the music, I think to the work that went into it between everybody that was a part of it, but more so the belief in in you you guys that came up with the music initially and backing you amongst a lot of the things that you kind of have gone through even before this record came out. How great is it you know when you see so many issues of labels just dropping bands for whatever fucking reason that century media has stuck by your side through a lot of the issues you've gone through over the last couple of years. Um, it is really awesome because I think they see us for who we really are. Um, and like one thing that really indicated to us like right away was like, you know, we signed the band for the music, not for just the individuals. And, um, and clearly the reason why they believe in putting out the album is because they believe in the band musically. Um, and it's awesome to have that support because like, you know, we know what we did. We know 
like what we're responsible for and like you know the fact that it would have been it would have been unfortunate and like they would have been in their right to like just be like we're not putting out this record we choose and that and that was a conversation that they were potentially having like when, when we received the information this is when the industry is down the industry is down pretty much before christmas up until like after new year's and like we found this information out like right then and there i made the decision the day before christmas eve so like the industry was down for the next two weeks and like there and our management told us there's a potential conversation that they might not want to put out this record and we're like okay like this is unfortunate you know but the fact that what they were telling us is that they believe in the band they believe in the music they but you know that's what they believe in so it, it's awesome to have that like i think in our corner because i feel like when we lost our last vocalist it was just ourselves we didn't have really much support in our corner and uh, to have someone in your corner believing in you like at times when you probably doubt yourself and don't believe in yourself it, it you know kind of brings you back to like your purpose because it's you know i would be lying to sit there and say that the band's morale didn't like shift and we didn't have like questioning like well what are we doing like what's going on with this but when you have a whole team of people behind you from management booking and a label and european booking and whatnot be believing in you and like it's really awesome to have that support because in times when you are in these dark places of like what do you do they they really like kind of like build you back up to be like this is you know we believe in you as a as like the music entity not just like the individual so i don't know it's really awesome to have that support because we never had that support as a band so this okay so i had asked uh joey gonzalez who is in phil and samo's band a long time ago or still is actually uh in the illegals and you know i had interviewed him about a year after the whole Phil thing went down, and I basically was like, you know, it's been interesting to me to think about not what Phil did, but the ramifications of, like, the blast zone. So basically, you're in three different brands with Phil. When this news hit initially, were you like, oh, shit, like, what's going to happen to my livelihood based on somebody else? Like, just the real-life ramifications of being associated with somebody. What was that like for you? Because, I mean, you guys, as we kind of discussed, like, you have put in a lot of work on this record, and it was, you know, on so many people's, like, most anticipated a 2020 list and so forth. To have this happen so close to the, the product coming out, what goes through your mind as that's happening? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, believe me, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of like frustrating experiences because, like, even before the record came out, it's like I put in ten plus years into this band of like putting in a lot, a lot of effort, and a lot of work, and it was like it's just going to like crash all of the work that I put into. It's just going to like just tarnish every all like the struggles and all the efforts and all the tours that we've taken and all the things that we've done. It's just going to just come like crashing down. When like prior to that, we just released a single. Immort- we just released the video for Immortal. And I was seeing so much positive feedback. I was getting interviews and everyone was just like, I cannot wait for the record to come out. Like, it's phenomenal. I'm like, oh my God, like finally, like our, our like, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like all this effort we put into is like finally worth it. Like we're finally going to be able to, as a band, like not have to keep overcoming these like hurdles that we constantly overcome. And to kind of then have that situation happen where then it's like, oh my God, like potentially everything can go away. All my effort can go away based off of nothing that I even did. Based off of nothing that like I had a clue of, based off of nothing that I was aware of and stuff that like I don't even think about. And I'm like, fuck, like this can all go away based off of not even me, not even like I've just put out a bad record. I even like I did something, you know, uh, like on my part where, you know, chose not to tour and, and whatnot and like been responsible for, like this could potentially like harm me in a sense, in a sense where this is not going to, like it's gonna ruin everything I've created. So we had those thoughts and, we, and, and you know, I was very frustrated. I would call Austin being like, dude, we've like put in like so many years cause Austin has been there since pretty much the beginning as well. Like he's been in this band for about almost eight years now. So like he's put in tons of work and you know, it's quite, it was, it was quite frustrating to have that, you know, to have that thought and to like think about that. But 
we realized that, that, that none of that served us. We realized that like thinking that would not make the situation any better. Like you could be blaming someone. You could be like, well, this is all your fault and whatnot, but I don't know. It, it, it didn't feel good thinking that sort of way. So we approached it in, in the sense of like, okay, like there's no sense in thinking that. And like to keep that in a headspace, it's not going to make the situation any better. So we were just like thinking about, okay, let's just focus on the positives in the situation as opposed to like the negatives and, and whatnot, because right now thinking about the negatives is only going to make it only going to make matters worse. Absolutely. Well, I know that you have another interview, I think after me. So where can people find you online and uh, what does, I guess the rest of this year have for you? Um, well, they can find us online at, you know, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Spotify, on YouTube, just search Lorna Shore. Um, with that, you can also find uh, all the individual members like myself. We're on all social media platforms. Um, and yeah, all we really ask is just people to just listen to the record and, uh, you know, take it for what it is and, and, and enjoy all of the uh, hard work that we put into it because I think you can sense it while listening to this record. So Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time and looking forward to hopefully catching the show soon. Absolutely. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Adam D'Amico of Lord Ashore. Um, you know, this this felt a little rushed uh, when we initially did this. I was at work, <laughs> full transparency. I totally thought I had the, the meeting room at my job open and to do this. And in the last like four and a half minutes, someone walked in and was literally singing across from me as I was listening to Adam kind of tell the last part of the his, you know, his reply to a question I asked. And that's why I kind of I was like, well, you know, I got you for a couple minutes and you got another interview and uh, trying to wrap it up real fast because like I had someone else in the other in the room with me and it was awkward as shit because uh, I could tell like a meeting was about to happen any fucking minute at my job and I needed to get off this thing and get the fuck out of there. And I also knew t- also that, you know, Adam had another interview coming right behind me. So um I ended up texting him when we were done. I was like, hey, you know, hopefully some of the questions I asked about, you know, your your vocalist issues and so forth that you've been going through weren't, you know, too prying, weren't too bad. Um, it really is a fine line um, to do some of these interviews sometimes where you're, you're given parameters like don't talk about this. You can talk about this. And I know that I probably straddled the line as best as I could, but I also didn't want people to listen to this and be like, you totally fucking pushed out and didn't ask anything about the circumstances that they were going through revolving this record. And I think I did where I was like, have you thought about putting this out as an instrumental? Like I know the record as it stands now already was done and pressed and all that, but like, have you thought about putting it out as an instrumental? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was pretty bold, honestly, because you know, um, yeah, like, and I, trust me, I'm no stranger to people giving me crap about not digging deep enough, uh, on certain things. But, um, I think that that, I think that that was probably not the question that, that, you know, when we were told like, Hey, you know, you really shouldn't bring this up or whatever. You brought it up without bringing it up. I tried my best. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a little, that, that can be a little rough. I, I tend to wimp out in situations like that sometimes. And I'm just like, yeah. I don't know. Go back to that Scott Mellinger episode. <laughs> that was different, though. <laughs> I don't get I don't get nervous whenever I talk to Scott. I mean, I get I get sweaty in my palms, but that's for a totally different reason. You asked him about mom's spaghetti, and he came through. Absolutely. You can, tell I you can tell we haven't done this in a while. The professionalism just out of the window. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, it, it is really hard sometimes to find the line, though, uh, of doing these chats. You know, I know I just made a joke of, you know, you talking to Scott and asking the whole thing about Tim from SLA dying. Um, and, and despite maybe what some people may think when we do these interviews, whether we, you know, ask the hard que- the hard hitting questions, whether we back off, you know, we we try to read the guests that we have on. And as you definitely heard, Adam, Adam and Austin from the sounds of it. I mean, I haven't talked to Austin yet, but I, I kind of would like to, I mean, given the fact that, you know, he is the other half of, you know, this, this band basically. Um, it sounds like Adam isn't the kind of person that hides behind faux narratives or whatever. He will tell you how he feels about things. And I really respect that about him. And it's something, you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast, when they comment on this podcast, say that something about Dan and I that they that we bring out in people is that, you know, we somehow put people into this very quick sense of security where they are able to talk to us about things. And when we ask questions that may be a little bit harder to answer, they're willing to to actually answer them. And I know that's pr- I mean. Some of the stuff that Adam said, I full transparency, I assume someone on some website, because, you know, we, we end up on a lot of different things. I assume someone's going to run something. I, it just probably will happen. But it is one of those things where I don't disagree with anything Adam said. You know, that's like I said, when we talked to Joey Gonzalez from Phil and Samo and the Illegals, and I was like, dude, like you're tied to Phil in three fucking bands. Were you worried about your career going away because of something you didn't even do? Yeah. And and you know he gave one of the most honest answers out of all of that that anyone had heard. I think the same thing just happened when we talked to Adam here where I go, "Were you afraid of this going away?" And he's like, "Dude, I put 10 years into this fucking band. It's my heart, my soul, my blood, my sweat, my tears, all the tours, everything that we have done to get where we are." could go away because of something I didn't even fucking do and I didn't even know anything about. And the reality of that is fucking scary. It is. And uh, it's funny, the the Joey Gonzalez one, too. I, I'm still looking back. I love his answer where he's like, I was just concerned about my friend. Absolutely. Like, oh, oh, my goodness. And, like, that just, you know, that's how you know when a band is run like a family and when a band is run like a corporation, you know, because I always joke that I never want to be in management because I never want to get fired because it's something somebody else did. <laughs> you know that is a very true story said everybody in Asley dying at one point <laughs> although you know i guess there's a happy ending to that story they all got their jobs back <laughs> Oof. well um <laughs> i don't really know else where to go from there see i can derail you too <laughs> yep no absolutely um so, I mean, with Dan's comment right there, uh, let's uh, wrap up this episode because we have another part coming later on the week. If you would like to keep up with Lorna Shore, it's simple. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Lorna Shore, all one word. Same everything across the board. Super simple. If you would like to keep up with Adam, you can find him on Instagram at Adam D'Amico. That's Adam, D-E-M-I-C-C-O. Find him there. Check out his shit. Uh, we, you know little teaser about what we talk about on the next episode. Uh, we talk more about the recording process, about how we had kidney stones throughout the whole thing, which was a fucking wild story. Uh, we talk a little bit more about maybe them m- pursuing being an instrumental band from this point forward. Uh, talks of, you know, just the, the pros and cons, uh, basically, of having different vocalists throughout the tenure of them being a band. And, you know, we just kind of get into some interesting shit, you know, vinyl collecting, which I know Dan will love talking about. And, uh, yeah. So I just really want to 
take the moment to thank Adam for taking the time to do this episode and being so forthcoming and honest about a lot of the answers because we kind of asked him some hard shit. And then you're going to hear a little bit more open and honest answers with no time limit really on us. And that's about an hour-long conversation. So I'm really looking forward to doing the second part. And, you know, we did the same thing with Tom Smith. And I've been really appreciative of the people who, you know, we've been forming these friendships and bonds with who are willing to come on and do a one part and then follow it up. And I think we're in a very unique position because when we did this interview, the record had, like, been out for, like, a day or two. And then by the time we do the next chat with Adam, he'll basically have had the first week's numbers. And so it's been really cool to kind of get this this different story uh, of I hope it does well versus the reaction and how it actually did in real time, basically. So, again, just want to thank Adam. Really want to thank Selena for setting us up with this interview uh, and for being so cool when I was like, yo, like Adam and I really hit it off and uh, we're going to do a part two. Hope you're OK with that. Uh, she's been super solid. I actually want to get her on this podcast because she was supposed to be on last year for Sonic Temple, which we're going to do a whole Sonic Temple episode and some other festivals and so forth. So uh, we already plugged Polona Shore. We already plugged Adam. If you'd like to keep up with Metal Nexus, go over to MetalNexus.net, Metal Nexus on Facebook, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus, and keep up with everything going on over there. And Dan will tell you where he can be found. You can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry, depending on who you are. I've had had to block some people recently and uh you can find me on twitter at discuss metal dan you can find me on gmail at uh discuss metal dan at gmail.com and uh you can always uh reach out to us on the brutally speaking podcast email brucebeakpod at gmail.com and uh piggybacking off of that if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at brucebeakpod email us at brutally speaking at gmail like dan said we actually uh, got a notification, uh, thanks to the YouTube channel, of someone named Saxel Rose, who is a musician. He's a saxophonist, basically, for Chris Brown, Paramore, Neck Deep, and Issues. Uh, so shout out to Saxel uh, for the conversations we've been sharing uh, through DMs and so forth. And for the support and love of the episode of the Matt Fozzi episode. And uh, David Lopez, who has been championing our show like crazy lately. Um, looking forward to doing more episodes with the Misery Signals dudes. Yeah, I'm going to try to get in on some of that at some point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we have you know potentially five more episodes to do since Jesse wants to come back and do another five-parter or five, five uh, bands that he wants to do. Um, but, you know... I keep saying that I think this is the year that we get to do a lot of really cool shit. And I, I a hundred percent wholly think that in my heart that we are on the precipice of doing really cool shit this year. Um, and that misery signals episode, Dan and I did a whole discography discussion episode, as I said, in the, the Jesse episode on our love of misery signals and how much we are excited to see where Jesse picks up from where he left off. Cause it's other than kill switch, what other band have you seen where the original vocalist left? Someone took it and ran and picked up and took it to where it you know, became this huge thing. And then the original vocalist comes back and you're just waiting to see what that is like to see if it's like the first record where you were introduced to it or whatever. But man, like, you know, the fact that Jesse reached out to, to us to, to do this thing with him and the rest of the Misery Signals guys... Uh, we don't take that lightly. So, um, like I said, we, we have a lot of lot of cool shit coming up. Um, and I'm so thankful for everyone who listens to the show. And I promise you, 2020 is going to be the year of some really awesome shit for this show. So, 
Thanks for the support. Uh, if you would like to keep up with our show sponsors, head over to the Bean Bastard Coffee. Get you some delicious coffee. Beanbastard.com. Head over to Facebook and Instagram at the Bean Bastard. Check out On Point Pomade. Use our code BSP15. Get you some hair pomade. Get you some beard oils. Keep your shit looking as good as it possibly can. We sent out some uh, stuff, some products to our contest winners. And I'm going to tease... Uh, when you probably look follow our socials in the next couple of days, you're going to see some cool shit popping up from uh, one of the guests that we are talking to tomorrow as of when we're recording. And uh, very much looking forward to that and very much keeps uh, the whole trend of what I was saying of just cool shit continually happening. So can't do it without you guys. Please rate, please review, subscribe, all of those things. Dan beats it to death on discography discussion. But what's more important is the shares and... That really does help. So keep doing that. We want to grow this show as much as we possibly can. If you would like to buy a pin and support us, uh, email us, send us a DM. $15 gets it sent to you anywhere in the U.S. If you live outside of that, we'll figure something out. Head to our Teespring. We got shirts. We got our logo on anything you can possibly think of to buy. Um, It's all quality so far as much as I can tell from everything I bought personally. And uh, for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. We will talk to you all in a couple of days.